Welcome back to Real Talk, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all know the deal. We keep it real here. And uh, tonight, special edition, uh, we got uh, Chief Master Sergeant Joe Bogdan on the show with us. Y'all know him as Joey. He goes by Joe. Uh, you've seen him out there. He's got his own podcast, The Llama Lounge. Brother, that thing is awesome. I uh, got a lot of great information coming from there. Uh, so I was uh, actually um, just recently, uh, I guess you could say, united with uh, or met Joe uh, through another contact um, that was on the on the page that linked us up and and man joe i tell you what it's just it's awesome to have you on the show you've got a lot of great content you're pushing out uh you know our minds are, are very similar in what we're trying to accomplish is build leaders and leaders that uh you know outlive us kind of thing right the the legacies that we leave behind are, are those leaders so uh welcome to the show brother welcome to real talk so excited to have you here if you don't mind man uh just tell the audience i, I know your audience already knows who you are but uh, some of my audience might not so if you don't mind just share a little bit about yourself yeah. Hey, man. Thank you so much for Caleb for having me on. This is uh, just an amazing honor. And uh, all day I've been thinking about it. I've been real excited to get on with you and take some of your energy in. Um, yeah. So uh, Joe Bogdan, um, I'm the squadron superintendent at uh, the 60th Civil Engineer Squadron at Travis Air Force Base, California, uh, which is kind of like my second home. Um, a little bit about me. I was born right outside of Osan Air Base for our military, our Air Force listeners. Um, I was born out there and about, I was about three years old and I moved to the States. I lived over in the East Coast for a while, uh, moved to, and then when I was about 11 years old, I moved over to Washington State and that's where I call home, Tacoma, Washington, the Seattle area. Uh, been in the Air Force about 19 years. Actually, Caleb, you and I joined on the exact same day, right? I don't know how basic so training is, survived, man. I know, right? <laughs> Chief Bass, if she was there, if she would have been there then, she should have been like, these two gotta go. <laughs> I know, right? 13 February, so Valentine's Day of 2001, we had trash cans flying by our heads and we were getting yelled at and it was, it was a great start to a career, right? Absolutely, but, Yeah, so uh, yeah, joined back in 2001. Um, I'm electrical power pro guy by trade, meaning I run backup power systems uh, and also prime power when I, we deploy and there's a lot of stuff that goes behind that, but you know, don't want to bore the audience. Uh, <laughs> been in, uh, I've been quite around the world a little bit. I've been over to numerous Pacific Air Force bases and over to USAFE at Spangdalem as of recently and um, been in a couple communication squadrons, been a CE guy, been in the combat comm squadron, a fixed comm out of Camp Zama, Japan, and uh, spent some time in the force support squadron doing the Airmen and Family Readiness Center gig, which I would say was a big turning point in my career. Uh, it made me a better human being. And I, I tell this to people all the time, I would not be a chief uh, right now if I didn't do that job, which I didn't want to do, uh, that I fought <laughs> against doing. <laughs> but uh, Chief, Patricia, <laughs> yeah, Chief Patricia English dragged me over there and told me you're signing up for this job. And there was so much growth <laughs> with that. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Um, on the, uh, I guess, just my off-duty time, I, I'm an adjunct professor of leadership studies at Brandman University and, um, and run the Lama Lounge uh, that you kind of mentioned with my buddies. That's awesome, man. There's, there's a lot to unpack right there and what you just, <laughs> you just told us, man. And uh, so, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, it's what we do a lot in the Air Force, uh, or at least I hope we do it a lot. I know, I know the, the, the group I've run with, uh, I guess you could say my Air Force career, people like yourself, man. Um, you know, uh, we ask people why, why they joined the Air Force. Uh, you know, we're trying to get to know our people. And man, I, I just, I love to hear people's stories, man. And you got a great story. I mean, mm. uh, you know, coming to this country, uh, coming to the United States, uh, you know, from where you were born and, and just how all that, that transpired, man. If, if you just, what, what caused you, what, what made you want to sign up and, and join the Air Force on Valentine's Day man. or right before Valentine's Day? I know, Day? right? <laughs> <laughs> it might be a little bit of an interesting story. Um, so I actually uh, was Tacoma, Washington, which those, you know, back in the 90s, Tacoma, Washington wasn't one of the nicest places, uh, had a lot of uh, gang activity out there. But it's funny, though, because I had just moved there from Jackson Heights uh, in Queens, New York, which was also very rough. So to me, Tacoma, Washington was pretty nice. But uh, I got I got 
tied up with a bunch of cool people and some people that probably I shouldn't have hung out with. And, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, at some point I realized that I needed to get out of there or bad things might happen. Right. I just, I might start running with the wrong people. And, um, and I just, I just sensed it, um, uh, just be hundred percent transparent. Um, my, my family life was getting a little bit difficult. Uh, uh, my parents um, had some financial issues and I realized it'd probably help if I wasn't a part of that, you know, if I didn't have to be an extra burden on the situation. So, um, I originally entered the delayed entry program for the army to be a combat engineer. And, um, and I think that they do some amazing things, but after I found out a little bit more about what they do, I'm really grateful that some people talked me out of it. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> and then I, uh, and then I went over to the Air Force recruiter and I told him, hey, let me uh, give me a job that's going to get me out of here in like a couple of weeks because I don't want to think this over too long. And uh, he said, hey, this is a power production job. And I was like, what the heck is that? And he <laughs> kind of broke it down. I was like, you're kind of a hybrid between an electrician and a mechanic. And I said, sold, send me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so uh, next thing you know, two weeks later, I was I was at basic training with you, man. <laughs> so a uh, big thing is the funny thing is I did not I joined so I didn't have to go to school. Yeah. And now school education and just developing others is such a huge part of my life. It's just interesting how that just went full circle. Absolutely, man. I think there's a lot of people uh, in the Air Force, you know, we're, uh, uh, especially in CE, I should say, and see, that's where, I, you know, me and you've spent the majority mm -hmm. of our careers up until this point. And, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of engineers I came in contact with the same way, just like uh, me and you, similar stories in that regard of, uh, I'm not going to touch anything to do with school. Here we are right. uh, working on our educations or have already completed our educations. And, and so that's a great thing. I think it's a great thing that the Air Force you know, I think there's a fine line, there's a balance, you know, of, of pushing education uh, and, and not pushing education above, you know, duty performance, things like that. But now that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother series of podcasts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, so yeah, it's uh, great, to, great to have you on the show, like we said, man. And uh, just thanks for the uh, amount of wisdom that you bring. I know that the, the audience is going to be blessed by the wisdom that you drop on us today. Uh, you've got a lot of great experiences. You, you kind of alluded to that a little bit about the different places that, uh, that you've been across our Air Force. Uh, so I would like, you, you started telling the story a little bit, I think, uh, but I would like you to talk about, uh, was there a defining moment, right? So that light bulb moment, as some people might call it, whatever it is that, that you call it, or our audience might call it, uh, but was there one of those moments in your career uh, that you were just like, wow, this, this is a whole different side of, of my life and, and where I'm trying to go. Uh, is, there, is there something like that that you might want to share with the audience? Yeah, man, I really appreciate that question. Um, so I would say when I first joined the Air Force, um, I did pretty well um, as an airman. Um, I had some accolades and I got promoted pretty early and um, I started moving on, but I still wasn't committed to the Air Force and I had no idea what my meaning and purpose was. Um, uh, but my drive for achievement kept me um, excelling, uh, you know, continuously moving forward. And that was some good stuff. But I don't know if I was a happy person. Um, I was probably cocky, arrogant. So there's probably a lot of people that knew young Airman Joe Bogdan that, <laughs> that they didn't really appreciate me. Um, and, but, you know, I, I, I took care of business and I did well. And next thing you know, I got an opportunity. Um, a former first sergeant of mine called me from the Airman and Family Readiness Center and asked me if I'd come over there and work. Um, I, to be honest with you, I didn't even know there was military people out there in the Family Readiness Center. And <laughs> I've yeah. probably only been in there for pre-deployment briefings a couple times, right? So I didn't even, it didn't even like just resonate with me as a thing that I might want to do. Um, but uh, I decided to talk to, at that time, Master Sergeant Patricia English, who was a, a mentor of mine. And uh, she, she told me like, hey, let's go over there and take a look. Um, I know the people <laughs> over there and, and, and let's go over there. And because, you know, she, she wanted to right be good for me. Right, right. She, <laughs> so she grabbed me by the ear took me over there and uh we asked some questions and i got some um some perspectives of it and but to be honest with you i still wasn't sold i was like nah i don't think this is for me man i'm like i'm task oriented um being an electrical power production guy i'm very to based you know i'm not this human side of things the soft skills it's not something i really had yeah. and and to be 100 percent honest with you man i didn't want to step out of my comfort zone you know i was yeah. happy doing what i was doing because it was i was being successful so um i then after she told me, no, you need to go do this, I took a leap of faith because I trusted her, right? As a yeah. person that I thought had my best interests in mind. Um, I took that faith, that leap of faith. I signed up for that job and it was absolutely the turning point. And I wouldn't say um, it was the point where I necessarily thought, okay, the Air Force is for me. It was when I realized what I could give to the Air Force and what I could give to just, um, just to everybody. And my, my personal 
like purpose in life. I just kind of figured it out. And I know it sounds kind of corny, but it just felt like that came to me. Um, I'll tell people all the time, I signed up for a degree, a bachelor's degree in Homeland Security because I worked on backup power systems. It sounded like it made sense, right? Yeah, You're going to yeah. go, do, maybe I could work for FEMA one day and do yeah. whatever. But I remember I hated every class I took. It was just, I was doing well, but I didn't enjoy it. It was yeah. work after work, right? Yeah. Um, when I started working at the Airman and Family Regiment Center, I started learning about people, uh, behavioral health, social sciences, right? So I switched my degree program, knowing that it wasn't going to be probably something that was going to be very profitable later. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to learn more about it. And next thing you know, it just kind of ran, you know, I learned so much. And by the way, you know, psychology and a lot of that is very helpful when it comes to leadership in general. So um, yeah. I'll say I learned from that point, I learned how to be a better human being, man. I'll tell you, like I learned public speaking was the thing I was afraid to do. A lot of people don't believe that now, but I was definitely afraid until I started working at the AFRC and was forced to do it as part of my job. Yeah. Um, I, was, I, I lacked empathy. I really did. I lacked empathy, emotional intelligence, and, and many of those skills are just vital for a leader to be effective. And that was, a, that was absolutely the moment where um, working there changed my trajectory in life, uh, not just my military career. That's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing. And so there, there's people that, that might be listening uh, to this that might be in a similar situation. So thanks for being vulnerable and sharing that story of saying, you know, uh, I think somebody posted out there on Air Force Quarantine uh, University the other day about, uh, you know, about opportunities. Uh, and, you know, you did a piece on it uh, yourself as well, right, about, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that give 100% in those things that they love. And then, you know, you yeah. need to step outside your comfort zone. And, and also something you mentioned there, man, I'd like to highlight too, not just because we both know that, that, that awesome leader, um, but, but that your supervisor or, or someone that was a mentor or someone that was, you trusted, uh, you know, some, some people might be out there right now listening and say they might have somebody whispering in their ear right now kind of thing or, you know, trying mm -hmm. to mentor them like, hey, you need to take this step. And because, you know, a lot of times our mentors see things, I would say all the time, uh, they see things that, that we don't see or at least we don't see so clearly as they do. You know, that's mm -hmm. after we've been around the block, so to speak, a few times, uh, we, we can start seeing the potential in people. And so I'm glad, man, I'm, I'm glad she grabbed you by the ear and, and really probably didn't give you a whole lot of an option. Hey, come on, let's go <laughs> take a look at this and see what it's about, i.e., let's go do this. Um, so, you know, right. sometimes it, we just have to be that way with people. So I'm, I'm thankful to hear that, that it helped shape, uh, shape your career, man. And that's usually what those opportunities dressed up looking a lot like work or things we might not be comfortable with, <laughs> they end up being really good for us. Uh, speaking of public speaking, man, uh, I know uh, you got your own podcast uh, you work with uh, out there and you put, like I said earlier, put a lot of great content out. Um, what, what, what's the genesis of that? Uh, how did how did that come about? Was that what was that born in your head? How how did all that uh, go down? Okay, yeah. So I appreciate that. Um, so the Llama Leadership Team, uh, we we just kind of became it's just a bunch of bros that had similar interests and they're passionate about the growth and improvement of others, ourselves, of course, and the environments we influence. And the cool thing about it is the four of us, um, Scott Green, Jose Ramon Jr., and Frank Zamorano, and I, we we have the same interests, right? We we really care about improving um, whatever we can influence and whoever we can influence. And we continuously strive to be better ourselves, but we are very diverse in our perspectives. And I think that's really cool because we have similar interests, but we're very di diverse in our perspectives. And I think that's what kind of kept us all together. I mean, uh, Frank's a, a port dog. Scott Green was a, a nutritional medicine guy and um, Jose a, was a heavy crew chief, right? And now he's a, a squadron superintendent out in Dover. And, um, and, you know, me being an engineer and we just became friends for about 10 years and we were just always stayed in touch. Um, we, the Genesis was really back at Travis and we were all signed here uh, where I'm back here now. Um, we, we were all resiliency training instructors. We became, you know, certified in multiple different courses. We worked together and, and eventually, uh, as we kept in touch in 2018, we decided, you know, it was funny, I was on a, a treadmill in Spangdalem and I was running and I was listening to Tribe of Mentors from um, Tim Ferriss. Yeah. And I thought, man, why don't we create a blog site where we can highlight some of the amazing perspectives of the leaders that we know. And it's like, kind of like Players Tribune, um, by, play, by players for players, it's like yeah. by leaders for leaders, you know? And we wanted unfiltered uh, uh, perspectives out there on all things life, learning and leadership, is, which is what uh, the Llama Leadership um, team is all about. So we started doing that and, you know, we actually had an article every, every week, we're pretty proud of for a year and a half, which we continue to do now. Um, we had an article that was just posted, I'm not sure when this um, 
podcast will be uh, put out, but the, um, this one that was about followership that uh, a buddy in mind I've known since I was a staff sergeant, Abby Scott put out and that was just, it's, it's just amazing. It's just an amazing followership piece. And, um, that's, that's out, but we continue that. And then our podcast was just, um, was just launched in April and we're on episode 10 that's going to be launched tomorrow. And, um, really we just felt like branching out to that. And now we're going to start working on, um, on a book too, but all things, you know, nonprofit, we're not making any money off of this stuff. Uh, we're just, we just kind of want to get good stuff out there and hopefully it reaches one person. Man, I tell you what you mission accomplished. If that's, if that was the goal, uh, mission accomplished, I've seen, uh, you know, a, a lot of times, man, in uh, today's society, today's culture, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just what I perceive. I think it is what it is, one of those kind of things. Uh, I, I won't say put the cage around an instant gratification, but, man, if it's longer than three minutes, if it's a video, you, you don't get that many views. You probably don't get many people mm-hmm. clicking on things or leaving a comment. And something I've just learned over my 19 years in the Air Force, but uh, it, it's just where you happen to be in the Air Force right now. I think any leader could, could come across this is, man, leadership is not the quick and the easy uh, and you talked about mm-hmm. that earlier about the psychological piece of it, of, you know, leading, leading people, it's just a people business uh, and, and you got to care about people and that takes time. Um, so no, what I was going, where I was going with that is, is people are leaving comments. So it's not the, you know, quick flash in the pan type of thing where, you know, you're like, Oh, we found gold. And then there's nothing else. Uh, you guys are putting out great content. I haven't had a chance to read it. Uh, so at the time of this podcast being made, I, I probably will release it within about a week of, uh, or maybe sooner of us recording it, but haven't had a chance to read that, but I know I already saw a lot of comments piling up on that. Yeah. And Mike, who was on the show a little bit earlier with, with Nina talking about mentorship, he had actually mentioned right. in that show, man, somebody needs to talk about followership and then boom, there it is. So I saw him <laughs> on there. So good content, yeah. man. Y'all keep doing what you're doing and something else. I want to encourage our audience. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that. So, so people say it to me, but man, I've noticed, um, at different levels, and it happens at all levels, we don't encourage each other enough. Uh, you know, uh, especially when you're peers, it seems like. Uh, so uh, I just want to make it public that I want to encourage you guys, uh, you know, to keep doing what you're doing, stay the course and continue to grow. Uh, so whether you're getting likes or not, man, you're still reaching people. There's still people that will listen. Uh, and you know how social media is and whether, you know, people, you know, play your podcast and or, or you know, they say anything afterwards. Yeah. Uh, you guys are literally getting it done. I've had people talk to me about it. Uh, because I'd mentioned it. So I've been advertising for you uh, out here. On the oh, base, and and uh, they were like, man, those dudes are legit. So I don't know how it makes <laughs> you feel, but like I had the best compliment I ever got was a, a senior airman that, that walked up to me. It was at, at their going away. And they're like, you're the most legit chief I've ever seen. Uh, now I'm not saying that yeah. for, for bragging purposes, it's just like the way it made me feel. So you're getting the compliments, man. They're like, those right. dudes are legit. So, uh, so from my <laughs> perspective, man, y'all get, y'all are crushing it. So, so you, you touched on some things there that, that I think are, uh, why I brought you on the show. I mean, for one, you're just a cool dude. And I love talking to you, man. I always learn from you. I got, I got my notepad right here making notes, but uh, oh, you know, man, I, did, I appreciate it. No worries, man. I did a uh, piece the other day about psychological flexibility, leadership flexibility. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, yeah. I, I was looking over your stuff and just getting to know you a little bit over, over the last few weeks. Um, you know, I was like, man, this dude's, he's got some diversity of thought. You've done different things uh, in the air force. You, you come from a, a, a different background than, than I do, uh, than, than a lot of people, right? You're the only you. And I was like, man, I wonder what his thoughts are on leadership flexibility. So if I could cage this real quick for the audience, uh, not really cage is probably the wrong word to use, but kind of set the, the boundaries of the intention mm-hmm. is, um, I've just seen man where, where people become their element, so to speak. And I'll just use one example to kick this off while you're gathering thoughts of, I'm out here in South Dakota and it gets bone chilling cold for a country boy like me it's bone chilling cold. And, and mm. sometimes I see people, they might've been here for a while and uh, their leadership style sort of reflects real closely, actually the cold weather. And what I mean by that is they can huh. become cold and calloused and, and it might not be formed by the weather, but I'm using that as a, as a, as an example. And just, I'm looking over, man, you're leading over 400 airmen, right? And you, you've, you've done so many different assignments, so many different for our non air force, listeners, so many different match comms, which is like picking up and moving to a complete different city, complete different culture, uh, right? And, and you've been successful, immensely successful in all of those. So I'd like your thoughts as we kind of unpack this, uh, uh, what you think leadership uh, flexibility is? How, what, is that important? Uh, do you think it's important for our leaders out there? And if it is, then, then how do we get after it? So I know that's a little bit to unpack there over the next 30 yeah. minutes or so, but I'd like your thoughts, man. <laughs> 
Yeah. So leadership flexibility, I think, I mean, you know, we say it all the time, flexibility is the key, right? But when it comes to uh, being a leader, I love what um, Glow Witherspoon said a while ago uh, to me on on our podcast was like, you know, you got to meet them where they're at, right? So when you're leading people, if you just want to kind of just execute how you are all the time, for one thing, it's going to get boring. And I think that's why some of the folks probably get that calloused, like this is just the way it is. They get stuck in a loop, right? And I'd love to talk about that in a moment too, because I think they just become uninspired, you know? But um, the other piece is when I like to see it as a challenge, every time there's some opportunity for me to adjust and learn about the people that I'm working with, you know? And I think that's so key because you can't help people if you don't know what their goals are, you know, what, what inspires them, what motivates them. And those are important pieces. And if you just don't take the time to get to know folks, um, it doesn't matter what rank you are, what rank they are, right? It's just, we're talking about human beings and and trying to learn about them. So I would say that's a big piece of what kind of keeps me motivated and keeps me going because I don't care if I move from um, Pacific Air Forces over to, um, you know, United States Air Forces in Europe. What I would say is the one commonality there, although the missions are very diverse, is people are people, yeah. right? And, and, and to get to, to help them reach their goals, whether it's professional or personal, which I see both are the same. You know, I see them both the same. I'm here to help them reach both. I think that's what kind of keeps me um, moving forward. And I think that's the flexibility we need. Um, if you lead this, if you expect that you can lead 400 people the exact same way, each of them, uh, right? Uh, you're gonna, gonna you're not probably fire. gonna last very long, right? A huge dumpster fire. You're not gonna last very long in that position. And maybe that's why you might get calloused over. Uh, and, and I hate to say it, but if you're not willing to adjust, uh, maybe it's time for you to take off the boots. And, yeah. You know what I mean? To kind of yeah, play yeah. on, I'll play on a Clay, Calebism. With there the boots, you go. Right? <laughs> uh, maybe it's time, but uh, I, you know, we can, we're always growing and learning. I know that I can even build upon my emotional intelligence and all the other soft skills that um, I feel like I'm adequate enough on. I have foundationals uh, um, principles on, but I can learn a little bit more. But you know, we were kind of talking a little bit before we start talking. I think um, the big thing is we just need to keep finding inspiration. You know? Yeah, that's good. We're leaders and we just can't, I, 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 that's what I think is a big part of why people just start getting into this mode of, I don't feel like changing anymore, or I'm just stuck here. Or, you know, I, I just think that they lose their inspiration. Yeah. You know, uh, so there's a couple of things that you, you said there that I want to go back to and unpack a little bit, but so you're right, you know, what works for you. Um, and what are the challenges before we get to the loop? Because I want to go back to the loop mm-hmm. getting stuck in the loop. Cause I think that a lot yeah. of people will associate with that, you know, we're, we're talking to multiple different people. There's a lot of our, our audience that might be Air Force or military because there's a lot of similarities mm-hmm. between even different branches of service. But you have uh, some people in the workforce, civilian workforce, that, that maybe are at the same corporation for, you know, 5, 10, 15, yeah. maybe more years, right? And you see different, uh, maybe different management styles and leadership styles, but sometimes they're probably the same. They may be even the same person, right? So you can see that and, and be motivated and inspired. But let's be honest, it's unfortunate. The reason me and you... Or, or feel called, I think it's a calling, at least I can speak for myself, is because it doesn't happen enough, right? Like Simon Sinek says, it's unfortunate that I have a job, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so so we, we can agree that people like me and you are like, hey, yes, you must be flexible in your leadership. But there's a lot of people that aren't. So if you don't mind, man, if you could like circle back and, and talk about being stuck in the loop and like, what's that mean? And, and, and just talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think that no matter what position you're in, if you let yourself get comfortable, um, you can get stuck in this loop of doing the same stuff every day. And I really don't care about whether or not, you know, you might be a person who feels like you love to be structured all the time, because some of us, you know, value that a lot more than others. Some people like spontaneity and all that. But I think at no point, I don't care who you are, do you really like doing the exact same thing every day, like Groundhog's Day, right? And um, I think that what happens is that when folks, especially like you're talking about in our civilian industry, that might be in that same position forever, um, when they don't look for ways to improve Um, their circumstance around them or look for new challenges or they're not challenged. Maybe their leadership isn't giving them those challenges or their leaders. I mean, it doesn't matter who, what level of leadership you're at. You can find yourself in this rut and how do you get beyond that rut? Right. Um, How do you get past that? I think 
you got to find that in yourself. And, you know, I, how many times have we heard, uh, Caleb, people talk about job satisfaction, right? And, and they always, you know, they always want to bring up job satisfaction. I've seen it on our, uh, on our surveys, you know, on our climate surveys and everything else. And they're like, oh, I, I don't really have job satisfaction. And, and, I, and I think that sometimes we put too much of that on leadership. Now, I think I am 100%. Whenever there's um, responsibility, you know, the leadership has that responsibility to do their part, which is, I, in my opinion, you know, laying out that environment yeah. for folks to be able to adapt, inspire, be inspired. But in the end, I can't inspire you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, you got to find, you got to be willing to meet me halfway there. And I think a lot of folks just kind of externalize too much. So um, I don't know. I'm probably not really answering your question. I'm kind of going off a little bit to the... You are, man. So you, you touched on it a little yeah. bit yourself, right? When you were introducing yourself, uh, talking about like what you did, you know, the first few years. And yeah, it's mm -hmm. just, it's a thing I do. And, you know, and, and so mm -hmm. some of our, our airmen, so specifically, you know, in the civilian uh, workforce, uh, some people might end up feeling like they're forced into a certain area uh, to make ends meet. Uh, but our airmen that come in, you know, they typically get to sign up and choose uh, what they want to do. But I'll give you a, an example that highlights your point about job dissatisfaction. And then you pile on callous, cold leadership on top of that. And you've got right. a, a hot mess. Like I would say a dumpster fire. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I will, I will leave it uh, nameless of, of where this person, person works. Right. But so I was driving down the road one day and I see him and I was like, I rolled the window and I was like, Hey bro, you need to ride. And um, first off, that's probably not something that's said to this person very often from someone of my rank, but, but either, yeah. regardless, uh, you know, he's like, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so anyway, we're driving, you know, me running my mouth, like, where are you from, man? Like, what's going on? How long you been here? Why are you walking? It's so freaking cold outside, you know? And right. uh, so we're chatting and I said, what do you, why'd you join the Air Force, man? And he tells me uh, what he, why he wanted to join the Air Force and it was to be a med tech, right? And mm -hmm. uh, it's, things had transpired. We didn't have time to get into all of it, but he's working hydraulics. I don't know if our audience fully understands. Yeah, yeah. I'm being a little bit sarcastic, right? Hydraulics yeah. and meditate. Well, yeah. I guess the fluid little, in the body. A little different. Right? <laughs> a little different. Yeah, a little so different. So you get somebody like this that's, you know, they're just, you know, they're, inspir they're inspired coming in the Air Force. I'm going to go make a difference in life and in my life and in the world. And you end up doing something different, right? So you really mm -hmm. need some flexible leaders in those positions to catch our airmen that come in. Because you might have them in your squadron. I don't know. You know, you might have people that signed up to do EOD and now they're power pro. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. So completely different. Right. So, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on? So, yeah, I get it. There's some people that aren't satisfied with their job, but I think there's a lot. And I think you agree with me. Uh, there's a lot that can be done to, to help help them understand what their job does. But at the end, sometimes our AFSCs or our, our positions in our civilian corporations, maybe it's really hard to connect the dots to the big picture. Uh, but but mm -hmm. having said that, what, what role do you think leaders play in, in helping their subordinates, whether that's in the military or out, I think, you know, like you said, leadership's a people business. How, what are your thoughts on what role leaders play uh, on helping people understand, like connecting the dots, understanding the why to maybe help elevate some of that job dissatisfaction into more of a, at least an acceptable level? Oh man, I think that's, that's probably a paramount, if not the biggest thing when it comes to leadership is you have to tie your people to the why and if they don't understand why they're making donuts or whatever else might be doing, counting bolts, you know, whatever it is, if they don't understand, then, um, you know, what's their productivity going to be like? How are they going to feel? They might even feel demoralized. that They don't even know what they're doing for eight to 10 hours a day uh, of their lives. And life's too short to, to be doing something that you hate. I tell my airmen that all the time, you know, and that's big A. I was like, hey, if you want to go do something else. Um, I had a, a guy came to me as an electrician. He told me he wanted to be an x-ray tech. I'm like, Okay, cool. You know what I mean? Let, let's, let me connect you with some guys I know that are x-ray techs. Yeah. Let's have that conversation because I want you to be happy. And if you can still serve your country and be happy, let's make it happen, right? Yeah, yeah and I think um, the mission piece, and you know what it is, Caleb, you know what I think is the biggest issue is that some of the folks that we put in leadership positions can't connect the dots themselves. Mm they have a hard time relaying what the mission really is. They, they just kind of go through the motions of learning what they're tasked to do that day, but they're not, because that next level is like kind of, okay, hey, uh, Chief Vaden, why do we do this? 
right? Uh, like, why, why is this part of our mission? When, it, when the aircraft leaves here with a bunch of stuff, where do they go? You know? <laughs> what do they support, right? <laughs> right? I was like, are they just leaving and coming back empty? Like, what's happening here? And, and, and then, you know, and, and if it's not Chief Baden, it might be somebody else who's not even worried about looking into that. I was like, I don't know. Don't worry about it. Just go yeah. ahead and do your job. Yeah, do your job. Right? Yeah. How motivated are you when you get that answer? You're like, okay, so I'm doing something. Yeah. They tell me it's important, but they can't even explain to me why. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Know, and you on conditions. <laughs> right, right. Then you add on that it's minus 30 degrees outside, you know, yeah. uh, whatever else I don't it might even like be. This dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even know right. why I'm here. Yeah. Right, right. So, right. It, so. it is good for us to be able to, to, to kind of laugh, but I, I know there's some audience that really know that and appreciate us keeping it real. Uh, and in, in, in that vein, you know, not to use another Calebism, but uh, you know, some of the leaders that we have are put in those positions and on paper, man, they're, they're knocking it out of the yeah. park. Uh, and in reality, uh, you know, this, cause this, this spans across, you know, not just the air force, but everywhere, you know, cause I've come across, you know, I've got some, you know, friends that are civilians go figure, right. It's crazy. Um, you should yeah. make friends outside <laughs> the military too. Uh, but, right. uh, so some, and they struggle with the same things, bro. Like the same types yeah. of things, right? Now, some of the nuances are a little bit different, but the majority of when you talk about leadership and dealing with people and helping people, mm-hmm. they have the same gap, same voice. Cause our, our world, uh, as you know, the things I talk about is our world's void of good leadership. Uh, you know, it's got voids in it, I should say. There's good leaders. I don't want to get that taken out of context. There's some really good leaders out there. Right. There's not enough of you guys. Um, so when you're when you're thinking about that and, you know, you got this airman that doesn't, you know, have, know how to connect the dots uh, themselves or they don't have a leader that's in front of them that's able to help them do that. But I'll look at mine and your careers, man. So, you know, I want to shoot it straight. I, I wouldn't be where I'm at uh, had I not been, I think, all over the world. Uh, because me and you've mm-hmm. picked up, you know, gone to major, different major commands, uh, moving around a lot. And we've gotten to see different leadership styles. I was looking at it through your records, you know, or not through your records, but through your bio. And and so you've been to a few assignments, right? I've been to mm-hmm. a few assignments. And I know PACAF, uh, so far, Air Force audience, PACAF really shaped me as a leader because of the leaders I came across mm-hmm. that, that happened right. to be PACAF at the same time. So what what would your advice be? So I want to, there's a couple of things, but I want to attack this one first. Um do you think that played a part in yours? And, it, and obviously, you know, we, we can keep it real. If you don't agree with it, that's fine, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But but do you yeah. think that plays a part? And and then if it does, what would your advice be to, to people listening? Man, so yes, 100%. It played a huge part in my development. And I'm telling you, in my perspectives on things, understanding stuff. I will tell you um, that there are people that I was stationed at Travis Air Force Base for eight years. Um, I was doing two different jobs, very different mission sets, but mm-hmm. um, but it was it was it was eight years. And then I left and went back to Osan for two and a half years. Which, um, for anybody who you know doesn't know, working at Osan Air Base for two and a half years, um, it feels like ten years because yeah. <laughs> the amount of work. You know, yeah. uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens. Um, it was constant long hours and typically probably six days a week um, a minimum, but. Yeah, for about two and a half years. But the growth I had just taking face punches, man, I'm telling you, man, you know, being an operations flight superintendent for our listeners, um, that means that you oversee all of the infrastructure, heating, uh, water, you know, electrical power. And um, for those of those that have never been to Osan, there's always power outages. There's always water breaks where you're just not going to have water to shower that, you know, that night when you come home from work at times, uh, guys are working late night and there's all these things. And, and, and the different, this, you know, the, the tough decisions you have to make, those are things that you don't necessarily get if you're staying at one installation and you don't get, you know, move around. So th- those experiences are important how, and it kind of helps you grow and how you're managing stuff. Um, then I go to a whole different place and the, and the perspectives are different there. So I have to grow and, ad- uh, and adapt to those situations and challenges. So I would say that moving around is very important for at least a military service member um, because it's going to help your development. And I really didn't even notice it, how much, how important it was because like many things we don't really know until after right I come back here and then um, we're kind of going through this COVID thing and I will tell you that there are people in leadership positions um, that this might be the first time because they've been here so long that they've actually faced something so challenging and you know they don't they don't really know what to do their decision making process is is um, is fractured at that point so I do um, 
I do suggest that people move around if they can. Don't stay comfortable and that, you know, where you're at. I know everybody has challenges with family life, trying to move them and try to give them a stable life. But um, for our civilian partners, um, our folks out there that might be listening, um, that doesn't mean that you have to physically move from city to city all the time. But if there's opportunities for you to try different things, and I know some of us are limited on that, but if there's opportunities that come up that you feel like, hmm, I don't think I'd be good at that, but there's an opportunity that came up within my company do it. And the more you're afraid of it, the more I would say, go do it. Cause that's where that, that growth is going to lie. And, um, and then that's how I think that you stay inspired because you're always challenged. Absolutely. So you touch on a good point there because, you know, even in the military, sometimes you're attached to a certain airframe, right? Um, so mm-hmm. <clears throat> for our civilian audience, you know, this is all open source stuff. You can go out and Google it. You know, sometimes you might be attached to a particular mission set or a particular airplane, uh, a jet that you can only go to a couple of different places. So our airmen that, that are in those roles, at least from the Air Force perspective, is very similar, Joe, to I think, you know, kind of what you're alluding to. Some of those, uh, some of our civilian counterparts that maybe don't have the opportunity for various reasons to be able to move around a lot. But so where I challenge people, man, and, and so let's just get it straight. Like it's not about, so for our civilian audience, when we volunteer and stuff, sometimes it gets pushed uh, for people to write down on their appraisals. And uh, so I'm, a, I'm against that, man. And you know, that's the paper tiger management cabal, Joe, you know, I'm against yeah. <laughs> that. But what I do tell people is if you can't go anywhere else to your point, Joe, so if you can't go anywhere else and get this experience and volunteer for deployment, obviously if you've got a family and, and friendships that are very, very important to you, because not everybody has a, you know, immediate family. So discuss that. If these are things that you can volunteer for versus getting volunteers, then volunteer, man, because so many things happen. As you know, like CE background, you've deployed a lot, right? And some of our crew feels out there deploy a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I tell them to volunteer for that. And then I'm like, you know what? Find, find something that's going to really stretch you. To your point, Joe, to really stretch you, to help your decision-making process, that matrix, you know, you know, be more developed. Go volunteer for something you think you're going to fail at, uh, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, so I, I think that helps a lot of people when you t- separate it from, hey, this is going to help you in an EPR, an award, when you really talk about human development. And I don't want to go start another whole another series, but I've been working with Joe Bass, <laughs> uh, talking to her back and forth just a little bit uh, with some conversation. You know, she's in the second Air Force and deals with all their training. Um, I'm like, man, what are we doing? Well, as far as like people like me and you, I won't say it's an accident because, you know, I can speak for myself. You got a lot of drive, a lot of motivation, determination, and you were going to make it regardless. I can just tell that by your personality. Uh, but some of it is is almost, I would say, happenstance a little bit uh, for us mm-hmm. of moving around. Oh, yeah. So are we a product of, not, I won't say an accident because, you know, we're motivated people, yeah. but somewhat we might be because it just happened yeah. and we fell in with the right leaders at the right times and stuff like that that we could learn from. Um, right. but, but some people can't. So how how deliberate are we being about developing our people? So again, uh, I, I think you just, you uncovered, it's like unpeeling the onion, right? No. It's like, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you're right, like, man. Yeah, the, I think um, I was talking to the uh, USFK command chiefs on one of uh, the Llama podcasts, and really, uh, Phil Hudson had brought it up. He's like, we're we're kind of failing on the overall development, and we're not talking about the development, you know, that um, that Joe Bass is responsible for. They're doing amazing stuff over there, but once we get them into the force. Yeah. Um, what are we doing? You know, I mean, like, I, I don't know how many masters I've talked to that they're like, I don't even know how to master sergeant. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I made it, but, uh, and I think that there's always a, a big part of that is we focus so much on teaching people how to get promoted and not enough about how to be in that position or rank. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's a, there's a shortfall there. And I think we need to focus a little bit more on that. Um, I've asked, I've had a, a I've asked a senior master and came to me and said that, you know, he wanted to, I asked him, what, what's your goal? And he's like, I want to be a chief. And I was like, why? And it kind of set him aback. You know, he was like, well, because I'm supposed to want to be a chief. And I was like, no, no. I mean, like, why do you want to be a chief? What do chiefs do? And what, what <laughs> you know, what brings you <laughs> to makes you feel that way? And I think those questions sometimes, you know, just like Maxwell says, you got to ask the right questions sometimes because it kind of drives the right conversation. Um, and, and developing our folks is so important. I, I say it all the time. Um, I say it all the time. It's my goal in life is to develop world championship winning coaching trees. I want people to be able to walk away and go somewhere else and, um, and and, and win, you know what I mean? And that's just all about developing them. So I would, I would say, um, well, actually I'd like to ask your, your opinion on this. So, so let's, let's package this, bring it back into the package a little bit. When Mm -hmm. we talk about people that maybe can't move uh, for whatever the reason, we won't even go into that. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're, they're stuck at their location, stuck at that shop, stuck in that career field, stuck in that Mm -hmm. office, wherever, what would your advice be to them? Because what you're describing to me is 
So you got people like me that have just been like, people look at us, but like, oh yeah, you got to go enjoy life. You got to enjoy the Air Force. You moved around everywhere and you had great times and five-day yeah. employments and all this mm -hmm. stuff, right? Uh, yeah. And maybe they don't have those, but so I know how I approached things when I was in the shop. So what would your advice be? Because when you have people that they get stuck in that loop, I think that's what you're describing. Mm -hmm people like you know maybe yourself that got to go do all these things you weren't your loop was not a loop at all it was it was right. a crazy fun road right and so right. some of those people that might be stuck in that that loop are these people that we're talking about these 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 leaders potential leaders that get stuck in that loop so what would your advice be like hey what can what do you think they could do with the right here the right now to prevent becoming calloused yeah so i would say from whatever level you're at you should let your the level above you, and I hate using the word above, I think, you know what I mean? But the, whoever might have some authority to be able to put you in positions that you're interested in, in growing a little bit, right? And and unfortunately, there's going to be some leaders that you say that to that aren't going to be very appreciative or supportive of those things. Um, so that's unfortunate. But, you know, you will not know if you don't ask. And you got to ask it the right way. Don't act like you're, you're, you're hunting for something, right? You're chasing it. But um, if you really ask it from the intent of your heart that you want to grow and you want to be a little bit more inspired for some opportunities, and maybe you can go be a unit deployment manager or you can within you know a civilian business maybe you can take on an extra role because you know we call them additional duties in the military but there are the same things in the civilian world yeah. there's something additional you can take on right so maybe those can be some cool challenges that you can take on where you're doing your normal duty but you're still learning from something else and i always call it the mr miyagi peripheral learning right you're like you know maybe you wax on but you're learning something else at the same yeah. time and those are great opportunities um and 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 then if you don't have those opportunities still look for opportunities in your off-duty time to develop yourself maybe that's going to school to find yourself more challenged maybe it's being a a leader with the boy scouts in the local area maybe it's being a leader in your local church because those are all still challenges that you can learn and you can be more inspired and i assure you when you do that and you're just happier as a human being you're going to be more oh, yeah. effective at work right right absolutely i mean i think everybody's goals should be man when i come through that gate being in the military that i'm just having a good time for the next 10 hours now there's work involved and there's all that stuff but it's still kind of you know it's fun and i tell people all the time um it's kind of like why why do i tell people to join a professional org or whatever else I tell them because when you were back in high school, I was not the person that jumped into sports and, and did a bunch of extra stuff. Um, some of it was because um, just my family life and everything. But those people seem a lot happier during school. You know, well, I don't care if you're in a chess club playing football or if you were in debate, you know, whatever it was, you're doing some extracurriculars, you made more friends, you network built relationships. Then there was the other students who just went to school every day you know, just dredged through eight hours or however many hours of class, went home, did homework, hated life, and couldn't wait to the weekend all the time. Yeah. Uh, that's how a lot of our folks come into work every day, make donuts and go home every day, right? And they don't really enjoy their career, but this is different. It's not school anymore. It's your life. Yeah. Yeah, you're <laughs> so what can you do to bring more value to that? Yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of, it's, it's sad, right? So, you know, the, the audience, uh, well, I guess the, the steady audience uh, knows that I got a son that's delayed enlisted, uh, waiting to go to the Air Force. Mm -hmm. And so I was watching a, a couple of airmen the day. I know it sounds weird, but I was where I was at. I was just kind of watching their interactions. Um, and I, it was a, it's a speculation, but just, you know, at the onset, it looked like they weren't, weren't that happy at all. I just kind of watching you know, the interactions just kind of like down about where they were, where they were working, who knows what all was going on in their lives. Um, you know, they were at a, a little bit of a distance. I sit there and think about my son being there like, okay, maybe he wants to be a firefighter, right? So that's what he's trying to get into. And we're, we're hoping and praying that that's what he's able to do. And, and I talked to him about that. So, so you get there and what if it's not what you want? You know, he's a four year enlistee right now. Uh, you know, he's not planning right now, but none of us really probably did as being a career airman. But I said, what are your, what's your mindset? Right. And I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. So <laughs> thanks for your patience. But oh, no. I said, what's yeah, your yeah. mindset uh, when you get there and you don't like it? He's like, well, I'm going to be the best firefighter that doesn't like his job. You know, if I don't like it, I'm still going to be the best. And I don't want anybody to know that I don't like my job. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. and he's like, I'm going to look for all these up. But so he's got a dad uh, and I'm bragging on myself and I'm pushing him. Right. I'm like, I'm trying to get him looking mm -hmm. at these things. So you think about the our, our young civilians that come in and, and not all not necessarily just young in age, but they're young to the Air Force. And they come in and they go from Joe's team down there doing great things. And I've watched some basic military training graduation. I don't know if you had a chance to go down there before they put it on lockdown kind of thing, but that's inspirational, man. It was different when I went through. I was just like, thank God I'm done. Mm -hmm. uh, but man, going back to watch it, man, <laughs> you just, they're amped up. They're, they're proud. 
And then they walk through the doors to what you're talking about. They don't like their job. They make their donuts. They go home. Um, and there's not a leader standing there. So that really ties in with where I was going to ask you. That second part was, I don't like leaving on a uh, the show on, on a, something that may be a down. Uh, so so don't worry, we're not doing that. But I would like you to explain, um, or maybe to our leaders out there, like you know what I hear Joe and I hear Caleb talking about uh, about being callous and that's bad. But what are your thoughts on if you are a callous leader, what does it do to those that you're entrusted? and expected to lead, motivate, guide, and inspire. So if you're one of those callous leaders stuck in your loop, making your donuts and going home, what does that do to the people around you that you're responsible for? I'd like you to share your thoughts on that, brother. Man, so, you know, my personal belief is a lot of those callous leaders that we're going to, that we're kind of talking about, I wonder, I don't know if they all know they're callous leaders because they're so stuck in their loop, right? They don't even realize uh, where they're at. So, but I do think that um, that callous leader is heavily impacting that environment for that airman, right? So like your, like, like your example you gave is you're teaching your son, you're instilling a lot of character and you're building um, the, this, the psychological ability to be able to bounce back from situations that he's going to face. And, and, and you're just hoping you did the best job you could, right? Yeah. Cause he's going to go out there and he has to face things himself. Right. Which, yeah. uh, right. He's got to figure it out. So, so those airmen that are passionate, they're happy. They want to go do a good job. And then they get, then they face that environment that's been created by a leader that may or may not know that they've created this uh, potentially even a toxic environment mm-hmm. in their team, in their team they are negatively impacting, I don't even want to sugarcoat it, our national security. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like they are impacting mission. I mean, I don't, what, what are our airmen responsible for nowadays? I mean, think about what our youngest airmen coming in, what, what yeah. responsibilities they have compared to civilian counterparts. You know, I, might, I was working at Wendy's, you know, so I was working at Wendy's and if I make a mistake, uh, some dude gets some a burger with some onions on it that he didn't want, right? <laughs> now I'm over here in the Air Force, and this 18 to 22 year old airman, you know, potentially is working on center of balance on the aircraft, yeah, right. And if he gets that wrong, things go wrong. Aircraft flight come out of the sky. People, die, um, yeah. people are defending bases, right? They're um, they're and they're working on high voltage electricity, um, heavy equipment, all these different things that we're doing. And they might even be messing up someone's pay somehow because they're not paying attention because their leadership it sucks and has not trained them <laughs> to yeah. do what they're supposed to do because they're, they're mailing it in every day. Yeah. And this airman puts a zero or, a, 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 you know, I'm just making this up, a decimal sure, sure. somewhere where they're not supposed to. And now this airman can't, isn't getting paid correctly. They have a debt and then, you know, and then they're so stressed out that, you know, I mean, potentially that could really impact their mental health. And I would say that it, leaders, we have a responsibility to set that environment. And if we don't do it and we don't, we're not willing to, it's time for, for you to check out because you're impacting so many more people that, like you said, Caleb, these parents, these moms and dads that don't even know us have entrusted us with taking care of their kids to be, and, and not to be the best financial technician or whatever, is to help them become better human beings. Yeah, take and, care um, of them, right? Don't take that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you got to teach them how to do their laundry, whatever it might yeah. be. Um, those are all things that we do. And if you're not willing to do those things and you don't feel like that's your job and you don't do windows, you know, anymore because, you know, you're in your position that you're in. Um, it's, it's really time for you to check out. You know, I thank you right. for your service. It's time for you to go. Yeah. You know, I, I, I talked to our uh, brand new, so for our civilian audience, the, our, our airmen that go are ready to become supervisors to go through a leadership course uh, it's a few weeks long. And I talk to them every chance I get, you know, the, the instructors are probably tired of hearing me because they have to hear it all the time. Uh, but, but so they're sitting there and they're ready to become supervisors, like you're saying, Joe. And I tell them, I'm like, look, Here's the deal. If the airman that you rate on, so everything that's happened up to this point, good or bad, take from it whatever you can to learn from it and then look forward and leave and and put your boots on. You know, my, my Caleb doesn't throw the slippers away and put yeah. your boots on. But but what I tell them is I was like, call their special people. I know that sounds another Calebism. Call their special people like this mom or dad or auntie or uncle, whoever it mm-hmm. is in that, that young person's life that entrusted you. Now, they don't even know you, but they're trusting that the Air Force, all they know is some families, all they know is what they see on TV. Air Force flies planes. Mm-hmm fights for our nation, good to go, you know, and not making light or fun of anybody, but they only know what they know. They don't know the inside. So I'm telling mm-hmm. them, here's what you're going to do. Even if that airman hates their job, they need to tell, they need to be able to say that was the best blank supervisor, you know, mm-hmm. insert whatever expletive you want there. I'll never forget right. that dude. I hated the work I did in the air force, 
but I love that dude or do that, right? Mm -hmm. That leader that stuck up for me, they tried to show us what, what a better way was. So I said, that's the type of supervisor you need to be is when the people that hated what they did in the Air Force walk away proud that they served their nation because of you, right? Because you can't make it like you, to your point, Joe, you can't make everybody happy uh, with the job they right. chose or ended up with, but we can absolutely treat them with dignity and respect and lead them well. Um, and which I know you're doing out there, brother. You, you've been doing it for a you long know, time in your career. So, yeah, you know, I'd like to add something real quick. When you yeah. talk about the turning point, I had a, the first time I think it clicked for me as a supervisor, I was um, at Camp Zama, Japan, and uh, the command sergeant major came out and gave us a speech. And he was talking about, this was early, uh, early mid 2000s. And he was talking about how, hey, I have a son that's a soldier right now. And that's so, and that soldier, my son is deployed right now, right? And, and he's out there fighting. And this was back when when you're overseas, and, and it was it was, was kind of strange. I don't think I don't think we do it anymore. I haven't really had AFN in a while, but the the screen would actually roll, and you see the people who passed their yeah, names yeah. on yep. there, right? Mm -hmm. And I think he, I mean, he fully grasped that there would be a notification officer to let him know if something happened to his son. But sure. he was he still had like anxiety every time that screen was scrolling, just in case something weird happened that yeah. his son's yeah. name would be on that screen. And but he said if his son's name ever ended up on that screen he would go directly to his his son's sergeant his supervisor and, and he would ask him did you train my son well did you take care of him and did you love him and if he answers no to any of those three questions we're breaking furniture in that room that's what that's what straight up he said and i thought man you know what you're right you know you're right and that's the kind of responsibility we have as leaders that's a great way to put it, Joe. I mean, I, yeah. I think that might tie in a little bit to, to where I'd like to you to take the audience. Yeah, I used to do my three round bursts of the audience. Uh, we we, only, <laughs> we got one round in the chamber tonight. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, an over three round burst. But Joe, it's been a blast having you on the show, man. We always have great conversation. Uh, and I, I want to yeah. just, you know, give you praise again for all the great things you're doing. Uh, but I usually do ask a couple of questions as we're leaving the show. It's kind of tying a bow on it. Uh, so I would like uh, two things from you, brother. I'd like final thoughts on overall leadership, flexibility, psychological flexibility, whatever term you want to put on it, brother, uh, final thoughts. And then uh, uh, one question of what do you hope uh, your legacy will be? You know, there's a lot of people out there that think they're going to leave a great legacy or think, well, actually, everybody's going to leave a legacy. Some are good, some aren't. Uh, but not, you know, Chris Simpson, our, our brother Chris, um, had yeah. said, you know, not everybody's entitled to that. Uh, and some people, you mm -hmm. know, nobody's entitled to it. Some people think they are, but you got to earn it. So in that vein, I'd like your final thoughts and then, um, you know, what you hope your legacy will be. Yeah. So I think uh, just final thoughts on that. And it's going to sound kind of cold, but hey, we got to adapt, become flexible as leaders or get out. You know what I mean? Like we, we have too much responsibility. Um, if you're not doing well at it or, or and if you're not sure, ask the folks around you like do a 360 assessment because we don't know what we don't know and we need to figure that out. And we should do that often because we can get any one of us are susceptible to getting into that rut. Um, so learn, I, uh, become aware of maybe the deficiencies and get better or, and if you're not willing to, it's time to go, right? You just, like I said, you just have too much responsibility out there and people are looking at you. And um, you know, the legacy piece is I just, to simplify it, I just want people to think Joe helped serve, um, and that's not just in the service, but like helped serve. Um, he helped recognize amazing people and he helped improve the processes around him, improve the, um, the environment around him. And that's my leadership philosophy and that's what I hope um, people remember me for. Awesome, man. That that's great. Thanks, thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, you know, it's you talk about putting people back in their in their seat, kind of thing. You know, you ask people that uh, that talk about being a great leader, they think they're a great leader, and and you ask them that, and they're just sit there and pause for a second, <laughs> kind of like that that senior did, maybe right, mm -hmm. and say, there, "Wait, there's a legacy piece." And uh, so, no, thanks for sharing with us, brother. Thanks for being on the show. I know you're a crazy busy dude. And you're out running half marathons on the whim just because you feel like it you're kettle bells upstairs and doing all kinds of stuff but but uh, no thanks for being on the show thanks for keeping it real man uh, i know you always do um but but thanks i uh, appreciate you just sharing the wisdom with with the team out here um if you if you ever need anything definitely definitely let me know brother i got you six i'm watching out for you uh and then uh, just one final plug for you man uh if you if you're listening man go out and check out uh, joe's uh, uh llama lounge man that's, that's some great product he's putting out a great content i should say he's putting out um so yeah check him out man and so for the audience y'all know the deal until we talk again keep it real